Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to bring you another episode of The Goal, where we discuss soccer at all different levels with some of the most interesting, accomplished, and influential personalities in the region. We've got a great guest for you today, as I'll be joined in studio by South Shore Select Director of Coaching and Girls Academy Director, Brendan Hamilton. Brendan played as a goalkeeper at Nichols College and has been working at South Shore Select for six years. South Shore Select is one of the most successful clubs in all of New England and has produced an abundance of high-level talent, including players like North Carolina forward Allie Sentner and UCLA defender Lily Real. Brendan, thanks so much for being in studio. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you here. Um, we haven't had a lot of prior discussions, you and I, about South Shore Select, so one of the main reasons I wanted to have you in was kind of just uh, you know, hear about what the club's been up to and, and where you guys are going in the future. So um, just first and foremost, tell us about how you got started with the club and um, you know, how it's been going for you since you started. Yeah, for sure. For, so six years ago, um, I was working with a, a different club out of Framingham, smaller club, and you know, one of the one of the things that always catches your eye in the club soccer game is when you see um, a great culture around a group. So South Shore Select always caught my eye. And, you know, I reached out to Liz Lima and Steve McAuliffe on a whim one day and met at a Starbucks and (laughs) it's hit off ever since. So I've been excited about that. How would you kind of whittle that culture down at South Shore Select? What are the main principles that they have in place that they try to present to players? Yeah, so we uh, it's it's beyond soccer. So everything we do, it's all relaying back to our core values, uh, trying to keep a very family-oriented, tight-knit group. Um, the relationships we build with the players on the field are only you know even better off the field when we get to hang out with them, do classroom sessions, do some different type of team bonding activities that uh, you don't normally see in uh in a, in a just a sport driven uh, club, so we wanted to you know make it at South Shore Select something that you know really hits home to to us and something that we love to do is to to hang out with them and be in a, a positive experience with them. Now, where are you guys based out of Hingham? Hingham. So we uh, we have a indoor location called the South Shore Sports Center in Hingham, and then we train in a few various Weymouth locations outdoors: Union Point, Weymouth High School, Lovell Field over in Weymouth. So a, really around a, a five mile radius is where we're housed out of so obviously as as the name would suggest you're attracting a lot of players from the south shore i mean that's obvious but how how wide does that go what's kind of the scope of where you're getting players from yeah it depends level to level i mean the um the majority of the club will be within that 10 mile radius Hangham, hanover norwell all the surrounding towns around uh that area weymouth so um it, it's a good culture driven community everybody knows each other they'll play with each other in club they'll play against each other in town soccer and so it's uh it's fun but then as we get to the higher levels it's uh it's been branching out a little bit further we have players coming from new hampshire now we have players coming from southern rhode island now so it's uh yeah it's a big scope it always boggles my mind i mean nowadays the players that the the distances they travel to play for clubs i mean it's crazy the commitment they have you know on top of like schoolwork and everything just in a given week of just the trout just sometimes it's like a three-hour travel like, it's and, crazy and, pra- and, and training combined i always joke with the parents of them and they um it, it, it creates a better you know environment for them too it's right. a, a great family bonding ride every single monday wednesday thursday right. and they get uh they get a little bit different uh, type of family bonding too right 
And uh, we talked a little bit off the air about kind of your typical day. It seems pretty busy. Um, often, like you you're, said, so you're getting home at like 9 p.m. some nights. What, what's kind of your job responsibilities? What are your day-to-day like in a given week? Yeah, so during uh, during the days of the weekdays, you know, we're we're in the office cranking away, trying to um, you know make sure everything can move in a positive direction and everything you know within the club keeps growing. And you know, we um, you know fortunately have great leaders within the club, like I mentioned, Liz and Steve, who um, by far have you know spent the past fifteen twenty years just putting their life into this, and so it's been really important to to work. Um, extra hard during those weekdays and on getting the club in the right direction. And then once 4.30 hits, we're all hands on tech on the field <laughs> all to uh, all to 9 o'clock with the club growing. It's um, it's great, and it's awesome to have a lot of different program groups, a lot of different players coming in. Our youngest age group is almost up to 300 players at U9 and wow. under right now. So this is, uh, it, this is great for us to have that um, – have that amount of talent come through our system and, and kind of see our culture at that early age. When, when was the club founded? Do you know what year? 1996. So Liz's dad actually founded oh, wow. the club 1996 and he, um, he, he took it from scratch all the way to, you know, producing some of the top talents in the, the area. And then Liz took over about 15 years ago, really focused on the younger age groups and, uh, graduated from Harvard, one of the smartest people wow. I've ever met in my life. And so she, um, she's taken the club from where it was 15 years ago to where it is today. What's that growing process like? I mean, so obviously that's like 25 years ago, 26 years ago now in a competitive industry of club soccer. How is it, how have you seen it grow just in your six years? And, and from what you know, you know, prior to when you arrived, how has it really grown? You know, South Shore's like, so even, you know, kind of seeing from a distance that six years ago before I even got there, um, they were really focused on them and really focused on how they can grow properly and grow in the correct way. Obviously, at some larger clubs, at some different states, you know, you you get a hundred different regions, you get uh, thousands and thousands of different players, but organically, I think Select has grown in the proper way and and it's created a, a great tight-knit environment from staff, from families, from, um, you know, the the way that they wanted to grow it from 1996 until now. Right. What would you say kind of makes um, a player the right fit for South Shore Select? Um, you know, what, what do do the players you guys have within the club, do they all share certain intangibles that, that are kind of just you see from player to player? Yeah, it's, it's level to level based too. Yeah. I, I'd say, you know, talking about some younger age players i think that they're um you know driven on playing with their friends a little bit more and you know a couple towns you get one player to join you get five players to join from their town and then as it gets to uh the higher levels the high school age levels then that's when the commitment level comes in and the more committed players the one who are putting in the time on the field and off the field are probably the ones that will end up going the furthest right um in terms of girls academy how have you seen that just uh that level grow since you've been there. And I know you guys have produced, we mentioned Ali Sentner and, and Lily Real. You get the, the club has produced some really uh, tremendous talents. How has the girls Academy aspect of the club grown? Yeah. So, you know, the, the girls Academy, obviously one of the most prestigious leagues, yeah. leagues in the entire country. Um, it, it's, it challenges us every single day. So when we go to uh, these high level tournaments, so we just got back from champions league over in Florida, it was a two part tournament in California and Florida, which right. is, it's an awesome experience for <laughs> right. the kids. It's playing in front of hundreds of college coaches. It's playing uh, against the best competition. What we see is some of these competitions from Houston and Florida, they're, 
D1 bred right, right. athletes that, uh, you know, their parents might have ran track at Duke or played football <laughs> at Alabama. It's in the genes, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we, uh, you know, we're, we're working on, you know, creating a, a great competitive environment for our players and to showcase them in front of the top talents. And we are some of the top talents in the, in the country as well. It's great for us to, to have that option for our players and that pathway for our players. What's the approach um, for coaches for you guys when you go to these big showcase events? And obviously, the players are trying to get noticed and they're trying to catch on with the program at the next level. So, what? How do you coach them um, away from that me attitude and just more being staying with the team goals? That's a huge conversation we have with the yeah. kids all the time. So, you know, one of the one of the things is you know when you when you see a kid kind of stray away from the the game right. and, and the team part of the game, it, it can tend to be a little bit tricky. This is not them getting the, the scholarship to, right. uh, to Notre Dame. Like we're, we're trying to work as a group to, uh, to showcase our, our talents and showcase our style. And you, you play within our style, you play within our um, belief of the game, then that's going to take you to that next level. That's what the college coaches are looking for nowadays too. Any conversation I've had with college coaches recently is a, how competitive is the player and B how good of a teammate is the player. So when they're watching a game and they're kind of seeing somebody do some things a little bit more individual, a little bit more selfish, that's when they might turn away. So we kind of reiterate that to them. Right. Almost daily before we go to these showcases. Do you sense that the players, does it stress them out, out? You know, if you're an uncommitted player and you're going to this giant showcase, do you feel like there's an added stress on some of these players? Or do you feel like they've, they've, I mean, some of the club veterans, they've been at it long enough where they can probably kind of compartmentalize it a little bit, but... What's kind of their demeanor when they go into these big showcases? Unfortunately, COVID had a big effect yeah. on our 2005 birth year, our 2004 birth year. Our uh, 06s are in that kind of early infant stage of the college process where right. they're freshmen and sophomores, so they're kind of not really hit as hard. So 05s and 04s, yeah, there is a little tension with it. There right. is a little angst with it, but, um, you know, kind of – always doing whatever is best for them. I will pick up the phone for any of them to, right. to call a coach to kind of give them my feedback on these players and, and hopefully get them into that next step that they ultimately want to be at. The kids that want to go and play in these colleges are obviously the ones that are, are committed at these highest levels, so we want to make sure we do what's best for them. Right, and how much is that a part of your job is having that relationship with, with college coaches and, and being kind of that – sounding board because i mean i think they're going to come to you for okay what's you know give me the 411 on this player what's what are the skills what are they like what's their what's their attitude like so how much of that is is part of your job it's huge as the as the college rules keep evolving too uh, coaches can't reach out to to kids until right. a certain day so um us kind of making sure that that telephone tag in between the in between the two is uh, appropriate for both sides and you know we're we're very honest with both groups in that process with our players making sure that we're not uh putting them in a wrong situation right. and also with the colleges too we we try to you know get to know them and get to know their style a little bit and you know if we have a player that might not sit fit their style might not be the right uh, program for them right. so we just want to make sure that we're doing our best to all the time get different information from these colleges, get different information for our players, and that's all the time going to do its justice for us at the end. How difficult are those conversations that you have to have with players when you have to kind of make their expectations more realistic? I mean, everyone who comes, you know, 
any girls academy player, anybody who's playing high level club soccer has that vision probably of, okay, I want to play division one college soccer. That's the goal I want to, I will accept nothing less, but at some point I feel like you have to have those conversations. So how difficult are those to say, okay, maybe this, maybe this D3 program is better suited for you. Yeah. And, and those D3 programs are great. Exactly. Too. exactly. I, feel, I, I, and I great soccer it, too. Right. right. I, I played at a awesome D3 school. We went to the NCAA tournament one year and you know, there's uh, a lot of great things, no matter where you play right. and, and what you can uh, accomplish at right. those schools. Obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of different growing pains within it. We had a player who, um, she, she wasn't as talented when she was a freshman, when she was a sophomore, and then just randomly junior, senior year, she almost was one of the best players in New England, wow. and now she's one of the leading goal scorers for uh, BC right now. Right. So it's just she, um, you know, it, it's it's great to, to have these goals for these players and great to, um, to give them, you know, the, the proper advice with it. But, you know, it, it, as a goalkeeper, you know, I get those conversations for the goalies too. There's only one of you that can play right. in, in a game for a college. So right. you can either sit the bench for all four years that might not be the right fit for you, and the colleges will be right. very honest with their feedback on that too and you know maybe we maybe we look elsewhere maybe it's not three schools that you look at maybe you try to broaden your horizon a little bit maybe you look for 10 early on and and try to figure out you know obviously we're going to have our our ceiling team and maybe there's some teams that you know are still very talented and could use me as their as their striker and that's just something we just have to be honest and upfront with the players on right and you make a great point about division three programs I mean there's some super high level division three programs right here in new England. I mean, I've, I've said this on past podcasts, you know, I was down at the, the final four for the division three final four in Greensboro. I mean, that level of play is outstanding and it's, and then if if you go to like a NESCAC school, you're getting an incredible education as well. So I do feel like, um, maybe it's like, you know, kids always just by design think division one, but there's so, there's so many other better you know, great soccer outlets aside from division one that they can go to right and you know the the girls academy league obviously the top of the top want to play in that and it's not for everyone right i mean we have a, a lot of players within the the region that um may think that girls academy is appropriate for them but it might not be. right and, and so that's okay and so we want to make sure we're uh, committing our time to to letting the players know that this is a this is a hard experience, and you know you're going to have to put in a lot of work if you want to be a D1 player. You can also put in a ton of work and be a great D3 player too. Right, right. What's the um, current state of the New England club soccer scene? I mean, there's just it's it's booming right now. There's there's clubs everywhere you look. There's clubs expanding. Um, it, it, it never ends. What's it like to be a part of the scene? How competitive is it right now? Yeah, it's like I said before, I mean, we are definitely focused on our path, on Mm -hmm. our road, on trying to make sure that we're doing whatever we can to do to create great pathways for our players and you know it, it's it's funny when we train over at uh, some of the complexes there's six other clubs that train at those complexes too so it's uh it, it's good to see that you know a lot of these clubs in massachusetts in particular are are growing and, and making it so that the the club soccer scene hopefully in the the most positive direction continues to grow it, we, we wouldn't want this to be a competitive thing where it, it becomes too conflicting and becomes too negative and the the combativeness is just too much at times so we want to make sure that you know again we're focused on what we can do and then if everyone else is doing a great job too great for them how common is it for a kid to switch clubs is that is that i mean in during high school is it common for them to be at one club and then switch to another club high school uh not so much high school um i, I would say when you maybe we don't 
lose many players, right. but if it was to be uh, a certain age group, it more times than not would be at the younger age groups when kids are maybe at a at a club where it was convenient at mm-hmm. the time, and then maybe they're looking for a little bit more or a little bit higher of a level. And so I think that the club scene offers so many different levels that uh, a player at a young age might not be uh, as developed as they could be at the moment. So once they figure out, you know, what their interests are, how they think that their pathway can go, I think that's when you see kind of more fluctuation between some uh, some club to clubs. New England's soccer journals, The Goal, will return after this. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. What does it take to become a champion? Teamwork, talent, grit, and above all, opportunity. HUSAC Elite Soccer has all that and more. Let's go, let's go, let's go! HUSAC School is located in beautiful Hoosick, New York, right on the edge of New England. And HUSAC students don't just dominate on the field, they dominate in the classroom. Students at HUSAC benefit from a rigorous academic program, expert instruction from an amazing faculty and staff, fine and performing arts, championship athletics, and the once-in-a-lifetime experience that comes from a student body of over 200 students from more than 40 different countries. Soccer teams practice. Elite soccer teams train. HUSAC Elite Soccer. Isn't it time you went from good to elite? more information, check out HUSAC.org. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and AnySoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to AnySoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division one, two, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to AnySoccerJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. How's um, how's 2022 been going overall for the club? Good, good. We're in a positive direction. I mean, the... um we we obviously took January off a little bit. Yeah, the players yeah. just coming back from high school. Our full fall season for you, 14 and under, had just ended. So January is usually a month where we uh, kind of take a break uh, with 
50 options of doing some different mm-hmm. clinics and some different directors programs. And then once February hits, we're kind of preparing for all different levels, all different tournaments that come March time. I mean, I don't think I've been home in March. I was going to so. say, I mean, you're right smack dab yeah. in like crazy season, Yeah, right? so we uh, all the time are, you know, trying to um, to be as prepared as possible for these early on 2022 seasons for the spring and March and April is when it kind of kicks off. But it's been off to a great start. I mean, our travel is basically done until uh, we go just for one showcase in North Carolina, and then we don't travel again until June. So mm-hmm. we're home the rest of the season. So it's uh, it, it's good for our families to um, to have that hopefully nicer weather in the spring too. <laughs> have that kind of sense of you know we can be home. We right. travel to trainings close. We'll travel to home games close. So it, it's it's in a good direction for right. us. Where will you guys be going in June? So June is the national event in California. Gotcha. So it's in it's right outside of San Diego. And uh, so that is either you qualify for the playoffs or for U15, 16, 17, it's a showcase for the entire Girls Academy. But oh, wow. it also, with the also chance that you make the playoffs right. in those age groups as well. And as of right now, all six teams are in places to make playoffs for our Girls Academy, which yeah. is awesome. And uh, so hopefully we can keep that going. And that's San Diego, you said? It would be in San Diego. Not yeah. a bad place to be no, going. <laughs> no, <laughs> can take that. Um, What's crazy, though, is like we go to Florida and there's hurricanes two of the days. And then we go to California and the wind is blowing 30 right. miles an hour. It's almost like we're bringing the weather. With right, right. These you're expecting better weather yeah. and you're getting exactly the opposite. Uh, you know, with all this travel too, I wonder like, I mean, for you know, an adult, it's a lot of travel, but for a kid, a young kid, that's a lot of travel or a teenage kid. Do, is, there, is there ever any uh, concern for burnout that the, the travel is going to get to the players and flying cross country, it's going to impact their game at all? Or? I think because they're so experienced, when we travel with our top level groups, I think they get the the sense at a younger age group that they're little professionals, and then once they get the <laughs> experience through these high school years, they know that the level is right. great, and so they're going. It's not a game where you're going to win ten nothing every single game. You're going to to play some of these right. juggernaut teams that uh, that you've been wanting to face probably for the whole season. So I think that the 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 brain game that they play with each other, I think it's more that they uh, they get excited for these things right. instead of burnt out. But, you know, you're right, though. I mean, it, it can happen. It depends also, you know, on the on the player situation. Some players might play full 90-minute games. Some players might not get the same playing time as right. them. So that those, those situations always arise. But when you play these competitions at these high levels, I think that it all prepares them for their next ventures in college. Do you get that? I mean, it's going to be pretty cool, though. Do you get the sense that they, the players, for the most part, love these trips? I mean, these getting on the plane, going, oh, yeah. you know, going across the country different places all the time we're with our younger kids we're going to uh salt lake city for oh, nice um it, it's what's called the super Copa. so they, it's an invite only tournament for u12 and under wow. so basically like the national championship they like to call it for that and our kids they've been excited for this so these like 11 year old 12 year old kids yeah uh, we were in dallas texas last year i think it was 110 degrees every day <laughs> it's the first time we carried a cooler to games with oh coaches. man <laughs> Um, what about for you, the, the travel and just the, the commitment it takes for you? Does it, um, do you ever feel burned out? Do you ever feel like you need a, a couple of days off? What's, or are you still just as invested as you ever have been? I, I, you know, I always, um, I'll never 
say I'm burnt out. I'll never, you know, go into that direction in my brain. I, I like to be a positive person about right. all these things. And so, so, you know, when we're going to these things, I have to be just as excited as the kids, yeah. and, you know, and, and they hopefully will, will see that as well. And hopefully, you know, when we're um, doing well in these showcases and doing well in these big time events, it's everyone together is into it and engaged in it. Right. Um, in terms of individual player news within the club, are there any players accomplishing some great things? Any recent commitments that you guys have? Anything like that going on or? Yeah, no, I, all the players are in full swing. Like I said, COVID kind of put the yeah, dent yeah, in yeah. everything where, um, you know, we, we had a, a little bit of a pause with everything. Our oldest age group, our U19 age group, out of the 23 players that we have rostered in that group, I would say 21 are going on to play college oh, next wow. year, That's which great. is amazing. Yeah, all different levels, uh, great kids. They've Most of them have been with us since they were eight and nine years old. So it's awesome to see that path and, and see that journey that they took to, to get where they are. And, you know, our 2005s or 2006s are just getting into that swing of showcasing themselves, trying to get to where they want to go. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the club's on a great path. We have some awesome, talented kids that, you know, we're really excited about for the future. How much of a victory is that for you guys as coaches when you can say that 21 out of 23 kids are committed to the next level? I mean, that's because that's the ultimate goal, right? To get these kids, get them into that pathway of what they want and keep continue playing. So. Right. And and they're great kids, too. Right. Like that's that's the important thing when we're um, sending them off to college. We want to make sure that they're representing the club still and, and representing in a way that they um, have learned through a lot of different experiences as a person to to be where they are and and I would say like all 21 of those all 23 of those players on that team are just great humans and a couple of those kids that aren't playing in college are going to go off and do unbelievable things in the in the colleges that they're going to go to we had a team 2001 2002 a few years back I would say that not many of them went off to play college but they were by far one of the most fun teams that you'd ever (laughs) that's awesome coach and they are just great humans they still contact us they still um you know represent the club through uh just being great humans in, right. in, in the colleges that they're at right has the club developed any uh rivalry within the girls academy with any new england programs do you guys have what you considered a rival or their games you no. get up for when you're playing a new england a new england girls academy team? no i mean there's there's obviously the the four local clubs around right. this area seacoast in new hampshire yep. nefc over in mendon and then oakwood in connecticut were uh we all get along yeah uh, yeah i mean it, it's just great games right uh, i mean win or lose you know you're gonna have an unbelievable game we actually play oakwood and seacoast this weekend back to back saturday and sunday and you know it's gonna be great just to see right. those guys that chris got over at seacoast is an awesome guy right Durrell at oakwood i mean they're um they're just awesome people and they know good games when they see good games right we just we get excited to just have good competition are you guys hosting those games we are yes yep yeah i've I've always i always ask this does it ever get like frosty between the clubs because like i mean you're 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 competing and you're you're looking for i mean some of them are are like oakwood's a different um geographic location kind of but like you're a lot of times you're going for the same type of players so does it ever get frosty with the other clubs you guys maintain pretty solid relationships with each other yeah no it's it's very manageable. I mean, yeah. the, um, the the talent, we we obviously, our, our top talents will all the time, you know, be invested in us and, right. and want to, you know, continue that pathway. There's always those players maybe from each side that might, um, you know, maybe they're 
a secondary like or, or right, a right. sub from the team that want to you know maybe uh, change clubs if they're not getting as much playing time. Right. But y- you rarely see that nowadays too, though. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, most clubs, uh, us in particular too, like we have different pathways that we offer where we have also the impact level program where that's our um, it, it's our, for our second level high school age players. But the you, we play against some of the other local Massachusetts clubs top teams. We play against the Aztecs top right. teams, which is an awesome club. We play against Bayside's top team, which is an awesome club. Liverpool so uh, it, it's really awesome that we have so many different varieties of pathways for our top 50 players in each age group so you know it, as long as we're again driven and, and stand on the road that we want to stay sure. on it should never be uh should never be a problem now you're a New England guy you grew up in North Attleboro is that right yeah um, what was kind of your your soccer upbringing when did you kind of fall in love with the sport you know, it, it's crazy. So my uh, my town soccer team, we it, club wasn't as prestigious Same back in me. the day. Right. But you know, our our town team was was awesome. I, I felt like I, I'm probably way off, but I felt like we didn't lose for like ten years or something. <laughs> Even but, if you're off, you can yeah, chill, oh, yeah. keep telling the story. I'm sure we right. did. But uh, <laughs> but the um, you know, I, I didn't start playing club until I was 17, 18 yeah. years old. And, you know, as, uh, and that's obviously pushed me into the next pathway of playing in college. But, you know, growing up in North Attleboro, when you play, it, it's very similar to that culture at South Shore Select where everybody loves each other. We see each other every day as the town team. I mean, we played with each other from U10 all the way through our last game in high school where we ended up losing in Quincy and uh, at Memorial Stadium, we lost in penalty kicks oh, at, against Brockton. I'll, I'll never forget that game. <laughs> this game I ever played in but uh but yeah it's just you know the um goalie position too I didn't specify in goalkeeper until I was 13 years old I sell that to all of our younger players it's hard to find I was gonna ask that yeah yeah. so um you know when you when you really you know fall in love with the position and you fall in love with the sport it's just it's contagious and it's nonstop. right right yeah I was I I was saying and and Last podcast I recorded that, you know, my, my youngest son is six and he's just starting to play. And, uh, when you, you know, we rotate the goalies in his games and everyone wants to play goalie because like, Oh, you can put the gloves on, you can dive around on the ground, you can use your hands. So it's like, everyone wants to play it. But then I feel like as you get older, kids start to change their mindset. Wait, say the goal scorers are getting all the glory. I want to be a goal scorer. And then not as many kids want to end up staying with the goalkeeping position. Right. Right. It's like and a certain mentality you have to have. Honestly, too, and sometimes at the younger age groups in girls' soccer, you get one kid, the poor kid, who gives up three goals <laughs> oh, on three brutal. shots. The it's only brutal. time she played goalie, and then she just, you know. Oh, they wear uh, it. They yeah. wear I mean, it's like, you Huge know, meltdown. It's <laughs> like when you're a goalie in a penalty kick situation. It's like no one's really expecting you to save it because, I mean, the odds are stacked against you, but if you let it in, you still feel terrible about right. it. I mean, it's a, it's a lot on you, you know. It's a lot like a, a pitcher in a tight situation in a baseball game. All eyes are kind of on you when you're a goalkeeper. Right. But um, did you always know that coaching was going to be for you? Even your know, post-college, was that something you wanted to do? Yeah, so I uh, when I did clinics and joined clubs and, um, it, you know, we uh, – I just I, – I got into it and, you know, I had a different – couple coaching experiences some were just clinics some were uh coaching teams uh through college too right after college I ended up being the goalkeeper coach for Nichols College for about four years and uh that was a totally different experience too I mean you could you go early on in the day you coach a a 10 year old girl and try to teach her how to kick a ball properly and then you coach these college boys who are way more high maintenance than the the younger girls right so it's uh you know it, it 
with all the different experiences, I'm very happy where I am now and very excited that, you know, my journey has taken me to where I am today. And it's all, you know, it, it's all for those players that you want to give your experiences to and, and want to help. How much soccer do you think you watch a year? I mean, how many how many games of soccer do you think you watch a year? I mean, coaching, I feel like I coach a thousand games a year. But um, <laughs> And you watch on TV too? On all TV, I'm a huge Liverpool guy. Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard on weekends and, you know, I'm a huge football fan too. So yeah. on Sundays when we're playing all games from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. divide your time a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I, and I'm sure everybody will, you know, not appreciate this, but I'm a Steelers fan. But uh, yeah. I, Where's uh, that come from? My dad grew up in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, 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 I can justify the story a little bit, but <laughs> the, um, the, you know, the, the, every weekend, you know, you'll miss some games, but you know, when, uh, when you get the chance to catch the replay or you go back as a coach too, it's fun to, to analyze those games a little bit differently sometimes right. and, and watch and see, you know, how, how you can kind of pick up the traits of those professional players. And, you know, the women's national team is amazing to watch. Yeah, and, unbelievable. Um, you know, and great for us, too. We have some players in that system, in the youth system. So we – and we actually previously just had a coach from South Shore Select who just took over. Oh, uh, uh, Kate, right? Kate Shepard, yeah. Yep. yeah who um, – she is now the U15 women's wow. national team coach, youth national team coach. And so having all – these different visions and different experiences of what they want at the U15 level all the way to the full right. national team. It's great for our young players. I was going to say, that's going to be great exposure for yeah. the club too when you oh, have yeah. players go on to those types of things. Yep. Well, Brendan, thanks a lot for coming in. This was great. It was great to hear about South Shore Select and what you guys have going on. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by Steve Safran and is a Siemens Media Production. You've been listening to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast. Or visit anysoccerjournal.com forward slash podcast. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful.